Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Lost Impostulation Podcast, episode 10. We're here. We're here. We've made it. I'm Nicola Volpi, and I'm joined, as always, by Kansas City's favorite son. It's yes. Neil Fitzpatrick. Biggest detractor these days watching The Last of Us. Jeez, I've been dunking on Kansas City in our uh, in our correspondence. Perhaps unfairly, I just think it's such an easy target with, with how it's portrayed in The Last of Us. Yeah, but I think they've been through just that roller coaster that city has been through in the pop culture zeitgeist the last yeah. weekend yeah. from being depicted as an absolute wasteland in The Last of Us yeah. to two days later, the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, dance. unbelievable. They're they're on edge, these these uh, Kansans. Yeah. <laughs> and so they've come a long way from The Wizard of Oz, but uh, here we are. Kansas City, same. Missouri, by the way, oh, to not be Not to be confused, confused with Kansas City, Kansas. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Another, Across great, the border. Uh, yeah, another yeah. great American naming convention. But uh, here we are. Yeah, episode 10. What a, what a week and what an episode we have coming up. We're still here. We haven't left. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and people are tuning in. Asking us stuff, coming for us when we say even the slightest thing they might disagree Absolutely. with. Absolutely, I think uh, we, perhaps we bring this on ourselves because we have like we have quite passionate views about certain things, mm-hmm. and as it turns out, so do the listeners. Because in almost every case, where, whether it's sandwiches or saunas or what have you, we have uh, people coming with their strongly held opinions, which yeah. is great, and we want more of that. Yeah, we love it. We love it. Chaos agents keep stirring the pot and. Uh, and we'll see where it takes us. Please do. And actually, on that note, so uh, as we always say at the start, you can always reach us with your postulations. That's via Twitter at, at @inpostulation. It's via Gmail uh, or email uh, at lostinpostulation at gmail.com. And actually, I looked into something else we might be able to set up, which is a WhatsApp. Because a uh, WhatsApp. Oh, through wow. WhatsApp, we could encourage people to send their voice notes to us if we set up like a WhatsApp That's for lovely. the show. Yeah, yeah. So leave that with me. I'm investigating it. I will. But uh, that could be the whole new world of uh, a voice note uh, content that we can add to the show. Absolutely. And in other news, we've also set up a Facebook page to uh, to coordinate with our boomer contingent Absolutely. of the audience. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, as a very professional business that we are, also a LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. page. That's, that's also very uh, borderline. Let's see. Uh, I mean, you got to be out there. You got to be hustling. Yeah, that's you got to be know, where the people are. Rick Ross yeah. said it first. Hundred percent. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, I think without further ado, we should get into our mundane postulation, as we started to call it, our opening postulation. Oh. So, uh, as ever with this section, we're looking for something very everyday, very uh, you know, uh, very uh, general that we can get into. And this it doesn't get more general than this, right? This applies to everybody, or hopefully everybody. And it's a question to you, sir, Nicola. Mm-hmm. When you're getting dressed. Mm. Do you go socks and then pants oh. or do you go pants and then socks? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I definitely go socks and then pants. I, I, is this consistent like 100% of the time? Uh, in the, when, when they're long trousers, yeah. yes, consistent. Definitely. Definitely. 100%. You see... I'm I'm glad this this happened because I'm the opposite, right? Really? I'm pants all the way for it's like pants is part one, you know, and it's just like uh, get that done, and then you can even think about socks. Logistically, I don't I don't see it. But you, your feet are bare in either case, right? Your pants are going to cover your feet. Your feet are are ready for socks whenever. No, but they're so long trousers. Yeah. I'll, I'll give yeah. you my logic, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I put on. Um, if I would put all my jeans first before yeah. the socks, yeah. let's say it's winter, so the socks are a little bit longer, so they get to my calf, right? The, oh, okay, that's pretty long. Uh, yeah. The the issue, uh, or even if they're just like quarter ankle socks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the issue if I put the jeans on first is then to actually be able to put on the sock since I don't tuck my jeans into my sock. 
Yeah, but you just, just to be clear, you, yeah. I need to roll the jeans back up ah. slightly to be able to pull up the sock and let the jean run over. So logistically, if mm. I put on the sock first, the jean just slides naturally over it and I'm ready to go. But I okay, unless you unless the socks are really long, I still think and unless your jeans are really skinny by the way, cuz I I can see that potentially being an issue, but in like 90% of cases, you can just push it push them on up there. Like just push that sock up, you know. Get it uh What do you mean push it up? Like put it on the foot and then the remaining part that that is yet to ascend your leg, you just kind of just give it a little encouragement up the hill, you know. But what do you actually gain from that approach? Well, the approach the approach is all built on a a kind of a just-in-time supply chain uh, theory here, where mm. at any given time, I'm only thinking really, and this this shows how much I'm into fashion, but this, I'm really only thinking about one article at a time, right? So mm. I'm not ready to think about socks until jeans or pants are taken care of, so to speak. It's kind of a, an iterative process we're talking about here. Mm. I'm not I'm not one of these people, if they exist, who lays out the whole outfit and goes, hmm, which socks am I going to, hmm, you know? I, I literally don't know. It's a, it's a, right. a journey of discovery every time, you know? I, and the sock drawer is different to where the, the pants are coming from. Well, you know? they should be. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. aren't you anyways, no matter which pant you're putting on, as long as it's not a white sock, just picking out a random sock and uh, putting there, it on? There is some choice. To, there is some choice to it. I have a, a broad array of socks. I have two socks which are uh, <laughs> branded with Lithuanian themes, uh, images from Lithuania. So like, okay. I, I have actually quite a colorful collection there. And if I'm wearing, you know, brighter trousers, that can, that can lend itself well to a more colorful sock. Mm. Um, also, if it's shorts, then I'm going to go for a, you know, p- potentially an ankle sock or a hidden, uh, well, hidden sock. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, not always. The fashion these days is, is the other way. Like you see people here uh, wearing shorts and then those like long white sport. I know. I don't get Disaster. it either. So I know. This is, this is what the kids are wearing. We need to get into this. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Do a few TikToks about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. TikTok okay. account on the way. No, but, I'm, but yeah, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there with you because from a logistics perspective, again, in but, terms of in terms yeah. of the blockage at the calf, I don't want to need to push it up in there, as you say. I think you're, gonna, you're uh, getting stuck on a very small, small part of it. Like, but it's the fundamental reason why I do it the other way. But give it, okay, how about this? If we just agree to give it a try, <laughs> right? Because I really think you'll discover a lot here if you try building your outfit from ground up where mm. pants come first and you don't okay. even know you don't even look at your socks first yes get that out of the way right then open the sock drawer and see now what what do i want to complement this uh and we haven't even talked about the upper half here and and often we're not we haven't gotten to the upper half, upper half right. at this part right so you try that i will try going socks first i would i normally would never do that please do. and i'm sure it'll be a little bit easier to slide the foot on through you know like exactly. I, I understand but I think I'll miss the chance to impact my kind of matching uh, sock, sock game, so okay. to speak. And, and you're known for your matching sock game. Is that, I'm, I'm, that what it I'm is? I'm a man okay. of considerable repute when it comes to sock matching, yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe, I hope, I wish. But okay. um, there you go, geez. I mean, wow. what, what another another d- debate for the ages here. It's, it's a bit of a, it, it messes with my mind even just to think about it. It's a bit like the, do you button your shirt? Uh, first from the bottom or first from the top? Actually, we could open a top. Always, always top. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Yeah, for sure. You start from the top. Yeah, because the bottom is all no, flowy. Oh it's all, it's like all loose. Oh. Like you're gonna have to recruit. Like, okay, think about no. it. The, the distance of the fabric from your hands gets longer and longer as it 
goes along. Like, so potentially the shirt bottom is like furthest away from you. So it's the loosest piece of fabric available. Whereas if you were to start buttoning at the top, you have like, it, it doesn't move too much. So you have a, a quick, easy access. And as you work your way down, the fabric gets closer and closer together. Whereas if you start at the bottom, you have to go find those two ends of the fabric. It could be anywhere. They could be floating off to the side. What are you I'm, talking okay, I'm about? Okay, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit. But my point is like the end of the shirt, the bottom of the shirt yeah. is the loosest piece, the loosest part of your clothing, right? That's the part that's yes. going to be hardest to recruit. You're going to have to like go find the ends. Like, and I'm talking about seconds. Okay. Seconds you're going to save. So it. you save the most difficult part for last is what you're saying. I'm saying that by starting at the top, which is the easiest part, right. you make each step subsequently easier until mm. you get to the hardest part, which has now been made the easiest part. It's a cumulative return. Just like the, the pants to socks uh, <laughs> supply chain. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jeez. Did not expect this one to explode that into that one. A, I'm really curious on what uh, what the numbers of the population will tell us. Well, this is the the magic of the poll feature that we yeah. have. we can actually find out. Yeah. So I think we should absolutely put that to it. Let's to, do it to the numbers. And also, like, I wonder is there a gender divide on that? Like, uh, if mm. we were to poll two mm. different populations and say, okay, men, what do you do? What do you do, women? I wonder if there's like a, a tendency there where. One half goes one way, the other one half goes the other. There who knows? could be. The buttons also sit on opposite sides. There could also be cultural ones, right? Jeez, I mean, in terms knows? of uh, in one country much versus to another. Much to postulate, much to postulate. Wow. Yeah. And you thought that was a mundane postulation, listeners. How quite, about that? Quite the opposite, yeah. How about that? So, uh, yeah, I say we break here before leading into uh, finally, actually, uh, talking about sports yeah. on this podcast. Finally. Let's yes. do it. listeners welcome back we're here back in the studio finally talking about sports somehow we missed it up till now yeah yeah which is crazy because we've both been up to to different extents very uh, very involved in, in, and engaged in sports but uh, we've uh, we've saved it up until now and actually uh, to take you guys a little bit behind the the curtain of how we plan these episodes, uh, this came up because one of our loyal listeners, a, a chaos agent in his own right, who uh, who tends to uh, to send us some some uh, obscure postulations, uh, sent us a video clip of water polo ultras mm. of uh, of a club called Panayonios in Athens. Uh, basically, this video before a match at an indoor swimming pool with some of the craziest hooligans I've ever seen, oh, lighting red pyros left and right, singing to the tune of Rivers of Babylon, just going absolutely nuts, and it looks so out of place. Uh, and <laughs> It's insane, right? But it's like as absurd as it isn't absurd because it's like... If this is if this is absurd, then all ultras are absurd. It's all sport, right, like, right, and okay, exactly. it's not football, but it's still a sport. Like yeah. you can't say that water polo shouldn't have ultras and, and football should, for example. Right, you know? right, right. So it, in fact, it challenges you. The, the clip is hilarious in a sense, and you're also like, well, why not? Yeah, you know? because of what we're we're conditioned, you know, to expect because we've seen them at the at the football match. So yeah. At the moment, you see them, you know, for for something like water polo, a bit more of a, let's say niche sport. Yeah. Uh, it it looks a bit out of place, but essentially. Uh, 
we shared that with each other. Uh, we thanked our chaos agent, and then uh, and then we started thinking: Is there something here about an episode, uh, potentially about you know uh, absurd sports, yeah. fad sports, yes. uh, weird sports trends, and that kind of led to uh, to the planning of this episode. Hundred percent. And just like with uh, the many episodes we've had on film or TV, this is like us diving into one particular area. And mm-hmm. I think the challenge will be: Let's we'll try and keep it in the realm of fad sports or sports that are having their kind of short uh, rise in popularity, right. rise and fall. Um, but the, who's to say another episode we might get more into some of the longer running, more popular sports of uh, of our history, right? But uh, exactly. for now, that's the focus. Exactly, exactly. So um, while we were looking into this, and Neil, you made the the very astute point that apart from a handful of sports which were there, you know, at the at the first ever Olympics, mm-hmm. most sports have their day in the sun uh, and then kind of fade away. Yeah, exactly. Like even even the Olympic sports now. Uh, it's like skateboarding, for example, they're still coming in to the Olympics only recently, you know. Right. So I think the key point to remember is like short of a few sports, which I'll mention now, the majority of sports that we look at, watch, love, follow, whatever. Yeah. They're recent enough phenomenons, most of them. So uh, the ones that I wanted to flag as like exceptions to the rule are wrestling and boxing. So this is like going back to ancient Greece, any mm-hmm. sort of competitive fighting. Greco-Roman. Yeah, exactly. And it probably comes from armies that and how armies trained at the time that this was part of their routines and regimens. And then when there was less of a need for militarism, there, there was just the remaining focus on competing for physical dominance mm-hmm. in one way or another. Uh, running, obviously, a huge sport and also goes right back to our evolution of a, as a species where this was, this was how we were able to catch animals was that we could run for way longer than they could, right? So uh, that was part of the first Olympics in 776 BC. Two running events were in that actually. And that was the, basically the 200 meters and the 400 meters. Now, obviously they didn't have meters back then, but right. they had uh, two running events and one was double as long as the other. And, and this was, uh, yeah. It's amazing was, how we still even have those events in the modern day Olympics. Beautiful and beautiful yeah. in their simplicity. It's just like, yeah. who can get over there fastest? You yeah. know, it's like, and I just love it. Yeah. Uh, funny enough though, one of the surprising one was archery. That mm. uh, archery goes way, 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 way back. 10,000 BC is the first evidence of archery existing, right? Hunter-gatherers, yeah, right? Where people were literally just pulling together out of whatever they could find, a bow and arrow, and hunting with them, which I just think is insane. Uh, it was only much later, so in 1583 was the first example of like competitive archery. So okay. not like not as old as running or, or even wrestling or boxing, but still a sport that really, uh, it, it goes right back to, to our beginnings. And you would imagine, actually... it. The, the the javelin it's mm. called the javelin mm. yeah. has that similar evolution coming from the spear yeah. in, in yeah. the early human years i hadn't thought of that yeah geez so, but of course it's like yeah. a reflection of a, of a hunting hunting method right yeah. exactly and then one other which was uh, i was kind of surprised to see on this list was polo the 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 one that you play on a horseback you know like oh, the, the riding around smacking King a ball. charles polo yeah yeah like oh, wow. the, the the one that we associate now with kind of british aristocracy it dates back to the persian empire that people were were to playing Persia. yeah oh, wow. they were playing various sports on horseback also probably as a means of keeping their skills sharp or like training their horse riding capabilities okay. but uh, these are examples those four uh, are examples of sports that have stood the test of time and have remained part of our culture globally without necessarily being linked to a particular country or a particular uh, time in, right. in history. Right. But what the point I wanted to make basically is that those are the exceptions to the rule. Mm. So what we wanted to get into now, and starting with uh, the past 20 years or so, are some examples of fad sports, sports that 
ignite the excitement of the world or various parts of the world only to burn away and disappear almost as quickly as they as they came yeah so are you ready to uh, to get into some of that let's do it i'm excited okay so number one and for each of these i want to hear your your own experience of them for so for number one skateboarding slash rollerblading well no. skateboarding to me that's uh, that's tony hawk that's yeah. tony hawk's pro skater games on my game boy as a kid now that's uh, a shame that you played on the game boy because it was a lot better on the playstation but uh can imagine yeah but I still can, but yeah. still but the game boy i could take with me right so yeah, that's uh, true. i mean it has been uh, and then i would even uh, i went out and uh, and and bought my own skateboard uh, yeah. i think there was a tv series on on disney or nickelodeon or something at the time mm. I don't remember the name, but something along the lines of the skateboarding kids. Yeah. And I yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. I had a picture of these on the back of my of skateboard. Course, of course. Did it for a summer, maybe. Landed flat on my face once, and then I think I, I quickly retired. So, yeah, exactly. Skateboarding was like literally omnipresent to the point where there was no question as to what we were all doing at that time. This right. was like early 2000s. This was the thing to to be into every yeah. single kid regardless of uh, age regardless of interest beforehand exactly if they were into any other sports they dropped those to become skateboarders and as we all know like the thing burned out it was like uh governments at least in ireland the government started building skate parks everywhere only to then dismantle them later because yeah. nobody wanted to use yeah. them anymore but it flirted with the mainstream for a while oh, insanely yeah. like and i guarantee find me someone who doesn't know who tony hawk is you know unbelievable like, he him and his game series which are fantastic anyway in their own mm. right are probably single-handedly responsible for that explosion that that just swept the globe at that time. And for it now being featured actually in the Olympics, I think Tokyo That's it huge. was uh, the first time it was. Uh, yeah, and it was event. great to watch as well. It was yeah. a it was a cool event. That was one of the few events I did watch. Yeah. But what about rollerblading? I just want to hear your experience of that. I think well, I had definitely one or two pairs of rollerblades, probably around that same era mm. uh, as a, as a kid, but mm. never really got into it because I think as a mode of transport, uh, the bike was mm. always more efficient, and mm. I saw it as a natural alternative. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, yeah. As, as a form of transport, I think the rollerblade is is pretty terrible. Yeah. Like you have to clump them onto your feet and then bring shoes with you so that you skate to your destination then leave your rollerblades somewhere you can't lock them anywhere you have to you know like yeah. it's just it's, it's terrible all around and this was the same era actually as the fold-up scooter so yeah. oh, even that I, was an alternative i totally forgot the scooter yeah but that was huge with the brake on the back yeah. heel you remember <laughs> that was insane the shins uh, how many shins were destroyed by those metal oh my uh, god oh my god yeah and those were huge as well who somebody made some serious money on those because you still yeah. see those around now like if you see a skate park here in, in Copenhagen, it's half filled with scooters and half filled with skateboarders. Yeah. But anyway, but but uh, on the topic of uh, rollerblade, just to give fans a little uh, thread to follow if they're so interested. Enlighten us. Yeah, like I encourage anyone to just Google the history of rollerblades mm. because uh, it's a fascinating story of betrayal and revenge. Uh, basically, <laughs> uh, we all know about roller skates, the four-wheeled uh, skates that are like yeah. used in roller disco. And roller skating became like uh, aerobics in the '80s, a form of popular exercise, like CrossFit is today. You mm. know, this kind of uh, it's really good for your glutes, actually. Uh, I think. As yeah. like, yeah, can well imagine, right? But then, uh, around the start of the '90s, we had this rise in a counterculture which was based around grunge music a lot mm. so bands like nirvana kind of represent that you don't see bands like that so much anymore this like direct middle finger to the system kind of kind of bands and around that exact same time roller blades get invented by this uh, this pair of, of guys these two two american dudes i think who uh, decided to put the wheels in a straight line rather than uh, as four in, on each shoe, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. And that allowed for a faster movement, etc. But then it was also linking with this uh, 
counterculture of like uh, rebellion. They were doing tricks on. They were jumping off stuff. They were like, I'm going to do some badass, right. crazy stuff. Rebels. Yeah, and it became this huge, huge movement. Uh, magazines spawned out of it. A whole fashion style spawned out of it. And that company then, Rollerblade was the name of the company, became synonymous with the activity like Hoover is today, right? Okay. But anyway, so all oh. of that, all of that is an interesting rabbit hole to go down. And I say betrayal because those two guys were basically bought out of their company when they were on very hard times financially and mm. paid an absolute pittance for it. And then the the brand of rollerblading was bought and has grown to be like one of the biggest uh, sporting franchises, you know, without yeah. their without them receiving much for it. So it's an interesting one. But you could you could talk all day about that. And uh, as much as I'd like to, we should move on to a couple other fad sports. Yes. Uh, did you ever give Ultimate Frisbee a try? Um, for fun, uh, every now and then. Uh, but to be very honest with you, at the time when it was starting to uh, to come into into becoming an organized sport, uh, we were actually making fun of ultimate frisbee as yeah. uh, being, you know, for for the kids that didn't want to play uh, soccer or football or basketball or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so didn't really really appreciate it uh, at the time. For me, you know, frisbee was uh, you go you go to the park with your dog yeah. uh, and throw a frisbee, right? <laughs> I was reflecting on it now. Um, I think I think ultimate frisbee is actually, uh, and I don't know the trends at the moment that might be coming later, but it's actually poised to to potentially come very much into the mainstream and actually mm-hmm. become a, a legitimate uh, professional sport uh, in terms of TV rights and everything. Absolutely, I've uh, I have a history with, with ultimate a little bit. I, I played okay. a little bit in school, not so much in yeah. college. But uh, there's a few interesting quirks about ultimate. Uh, one thing that I can imagine that would hold it back in, under the current setup is that it's a self-refereed game. Did you know that? Okay. There's no yeah, referee I mean, in ultimate. So uh, if okay. and it's a very friendly. Like if you play uh, with a, a against another team, it's very friendly, very convivial. And if somebody um, does something against the rules, the opposite, the other player will say, "Hey, whoop." Did that was? Did you know you just uh, broke a rule there? And uh, the person was like, "Yep, sorry, my bad." And then it goes back to okay. you know they they take the playback or whatever. But how many sports in the world are self self refereed, right? Right. Can you imagine that working in football, for example? Can you well, see no. that in, in basketball, right? So I think if it's to become a pro sport or to be you know uh, globally popular, there will come a point where bad actors or you know people who with a a slightly more cynical view will start playing and then. Just be like, nope, I didn't do it. I didn't, you know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the more, uh, the more probably your best athletes move to a sport, the more competitive it gets, yeah. the more of a leg up you, yeah, yeah. you, you look for. When there's yeah. money on the line, when there's people betting on it, like, of course, right. it, it needs to get a bit more real. But as we've seen also in football, like VAR adding to football hasn't really helped that much. Like, it, it, no. it's almost responsible for more uh, errors. Controversy, yeah, exactly, right? yeah. But ultimate frisbee, you think? So we'll we'll come back to maybe sports that are due uh, an explosion in popularity. But that one did have its day also through the last like 10, 15 years. Yeah. It kind of peaked about ten years ago, I think. And I think a big advantage of it is is in the gameplay being yeah. very similar in terms of flow to American football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's how people explain it. If you ever right. if you're ever trying to onboard someone into the sport, you go basically catch it over there. It's like if it's like football, you score if you catch it over there. You can't move when you have the disc, and that's basically it. You know, yeah. it's quite it's quite fun. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's like it's one of those things with a very high skill ceiling, but a low floor in the sense that like right. you can pick it up and play, no problem. You can throw the thing around. But if you want to be really good, you start doing forehands, backhands, hammer throws. Yeah, all you these start to get things. more and more technical, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it has it, it has like easy to learn, hard to master kind of, a, yeah. which is really cool. One last uh, one last one that I don't know anything about, but I think you have a bit of info on okay. is the, the XFL. Okay, no, I thought you were going to throw Quidditch at me. No, no, uh, no. I don't think you know much about that, to be fair. Um, yeah, so the XFL, uh, essentially, 
uh, was uh, it's now on its third try, its third iteration. I was reading about it the other day on The Athletic uh, with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. He's actually owning the rights with his ex-wife and there's this whole... Yeah, was he uh, always, uh, even, at, even at the start, was he involved or is it just that he's... He wasn't involved at the start, okay. but he was a, an American football player himself uh, oh, and, yeah. and he played at the University of Miami and I okay. think he might have gotten almost drafted into the NFL. Yeah. Um, but um, essentially it's in its third iteration when it first came about, uh, about 20 years ago, uh, Vince McMahon, WWE, mm-hmm. he basically wanted to uh, create uh, an entertainment alternative to the NFL during the NFL offseason, mm. um, whereby it was essentially up to a point taking, you know, these theatrical aspects of WWE mm. and moving them towards the, the gridiron. In American have football. you seen have you watched an XFL or uh, like- I so those ones 20 years ago when you go back and watch those clips it's insane oh. like what they're trying to do and like you could do late hits out of bounds like violence they made it they tried to make it a lot faster and everything ultimately it flopped and, and went bankrupt because people like their offseason from the NFL in mm. America yeah. because during that offseason they're watching the NBA and the mm. MLB and, yeah. and so on yeah, and so yeah, forth yeah. right they tried a second time in about 2020, right at the onset of the pandemic. So I think really? it launched like a couple of weeks right before it. No way. Bankruptcy court again, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Uh, and now is the is the third iteration, but it seems to be less and less differentiated as a product in terms of the of the gameplay and the sport. It's just football. It's it? just football, yeah. just during a different season of the year. So huh. I don't really see. Um, so it's more like a, it could be a fad league. So originally it was the X was for extreme, yeah. right? Yeah. Extreme football league because of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. I think uh, probably for the right reasons they differentiated away from that. Mm. But I don't see how it how it gets. Uh, a lot of traction. Right? I think that's a shame because I think the average person who doesn't watch football can tell you a few things that they see wrong with it. Right. The, off the top of my head, the first are it's really, really boring to watch. Like you have, what was it, 12 minutes of gameplay for every hour of you know screen time? Yeah, and you have the TV just, timeouts and, yeah. and all of this, right, yeah, yeah. that you have with American sports. And, and what a missed opportunity for something like XFL to say, that's one of the things we're going to fix here. You know, like mm. we're going to, it's just like, uh, like in rugby where you have this rule called advantage where if a rule is broken but it gives an advantage to the opposing team you just keep the game going and the yeah. ref the ref just says advantage right. you know so things like that are needed to keep a sport flowing and the it seems like the NFL for me anyway is just like the opposite of that it's just mm. like whoop stop whoop like just under every circumstances stop the game it's and that's like, what what the NFL has struggled with over the years yeah. as opposed to the NBA is making the sport truly global right yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh in in Europe, you will have people watching the NFL, but it's much more of, of, a, of a niche thing. Mm. Whereas the NBA, I mean, it's watched in China, it's watched in Africa, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also a globally played sport. And so I think they there is there is somewhere to go for, for American football to make it uh, more, mm. more appealing. And mm. the rugby example, actually, when I was in Australia... Uh, what got me into the rugby, and this mm. might be controversial for our listeners who are passionate about rugby, but mm. was actually rugby league as opposed to union yeah. because it was faster yeah. and I could just get it yeah. more quickly. Yeah, right, yeah, So that could be kind of a blooper. Maybe this is a topic for another day because inevitably in this discussion we get onto baseball, which is like the world's most slow-moving, boring sport, right? So maybe there's as something... As opposed to cricket? Okay, put them in the same book. Okay. I'm not a cricket fan either, okay, but good. I think the point is there's a discussion to be had there about what is sport for, and those sports maybe tick a box of like a day out, you know, rather than being glued to yeah, the, the ballpark field. experience yeah, is a yeah, big part yeah. of baseball. So yeah. maybe we'll come back to that. But getting getting back to fads, right? Mm-hmm. So these were these were some examples of 
of fads that have come and gone actually over the past 20, 30 years or so. But what we also wanted to get onto a bit were current crazes. Yes. And these I think will be most interesting for people to to give their own thoughts on because we may we we're not gonna cover them all here. So if there's any we've missed, I'd be super interested to hear. But uh, how about we get into some current sports crazes? Let's do it. Yeah. Are there any uh, any that you're particularly into yourself? Um, so ones that I've appreciated, I'd say in these last uh, last five years of, or so, uh, one of them has been paddle mm. paddle tennis mm-hmm. uh, as a, what you could say a bit faster paced, more accessible, more. Uh, more fun version of tennis. I played a lot of tennis growing up mm. uh, and it was kind of something that I could do. And the problem with tennis is later on, and it's not to say that I was at any certain level, but you need to have your own hitting partner mm. who's at a similar level to you to have it be yeah. fun and everything. Whereas with uh, with paddle, there's there's a bit more margin for error. You, you have four of you out there and, and mm-hmm. you can go with it. So I've really appreciated uh, Paddle. That's, uh, that's been one coming from, uh, from Spain, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did you play? Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a difficult history of Paddle, I have to say. Um, well, and racket sports in general, actually. And sports in general, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> to be very honest, the issue, the issue I've always said, if anyone ever asks me, is any ball sport, I have a problem, which is the ball doesn't go where I am telling it to go. That's the fundamental problem with football, basketball, rugby, tennis, all those things. Which is weird because you have good hand-eye coordination. Mm, Wouldn't you say? Debatable. I think okay. I have maybe dexterity to do like musical instruments or something like okay. that. But okay. when I need to send an object in a direction, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's <laughs> like it's some particular problem. I don't know. But it doesn't do what I tell it to do, basically. Unfortunately, paddle is no exception. But I also I also think paddle is a little bit of a broken game, for, at least for a casual um, player. And mm. this is maybe a little bit of a postulation that people might uh, disagree with. But just putting it this way, paddle is a four-person sport, right? Yeah. And the level of fun being had by each of those four people is goes like this. The best player on the winning team is having the most fun, and they are loving every minute of it. Certainly. They are absolutely loving it. The lesser player, because there's a good player and a bad player on each team. Let's just, there's always going to be, someone's better, right? So the less good player is having the second most fun. Mm -hmm. Because even though they're not the best, they may even be the third best player or the fourth best player on the court, but they're still winning. So they're, they're even despite their best efforts or whatever, and they may be making mistakes, but they're still winning. So they're having fun. Right. Then you have the (laughs) the person having the third most fun. And bear with me here. We will get to the point. The person having the third most fun is the good player on the losing team. Yes. And they're good at the sport. They're enjoying the games. They're getting a run around, you know, and they may not be winning, but they're getting to be good at something. You know, they're getting to show their, that they are good at the thing. Yeah. And they're a bit frustrated by their partner, who's, as, yeah. we, as we now know, the worst player, probably. Right. I'm talking now about player number four, who okay. is me in this circumstance, <laughs> in every circumstance. When I've played paddle, I am player number four, meaning I am the losing player, the, uh, sorry, the worst player on the losing team. Yeah. And I have to say paddle is no fun for that person. And that's okay. in every game, honestly. And I was going to say. Yeah. I would challenge anybody. If, if you've been that person, if you've been the bad player on the losing team, I defy you to say that you had a brilliant time when you went to play paddle. Because... All you get to do is get targeted by the good team. They're they're like mm. they know that you're going to be worse at returning the shots. Yeah. They come for you specifically. You have to then just like power through and do your best, but loses like lose all the way through. You're letting down your teammate who's like frustrated with with how badly you're playing because they're better than you. You know. So all in all, I just feel like paddle is like unless you're really good at it, which I'm not. It's uh, on average you're gonna more than fifty percent of the time have a bad time. 
Well, so there you go. So you say that's going to be its barrier to continue to grow as a sport? I think yeah, wow. the, the issue is like you've seen paddle centers pop up everywhere now and everyone's yeah. doing Indoor, it. outdoor, yeah, yeah. old warehouses. Yeah. Like, yeah. And on the right day with the right group, it's great fun. I, I won't deny that. But I think what will stop it from getting gigantic is the mandatory co-op nature of it and the mandatory four-person you know, setup where mm. inevitably one person uh, will come away feeling like an absolute loser, basically. <laughs> At least that's how I've uh, wow. experienced it. So um, that's there's my there's my postulation on paddle. I think it's good. I like the concept. It's very chill, okay. laid back. But I think not for me. I think that stands then also for uh, for the recent craze of pickleball uh, in the states. Yeah, I no. probably should have googled this more. I don't even no. know what it is. What's the? It's essentially a mini tennis court uh, no. with uh, with with smaller rackets similar to paddle ones and kind of a wiffle ball actually oh. is what you. So hit. basically paddle of another. But, yeah, basically, yeah. but without the walls and uh, yeah. and a bit smaller. But apparently, it's one of the fastest growing sports uh, in North America Jeez. at the moment. Maybe it'll replace paddle. In fact. Well, that's the thing. I I think only one can coexist. Otherwise, yeah. you get get into a situation like the indoor racket sports yeah. uh, where in the US for example uh, neither squash nor racquetball has has gotten huge mm. because they haven't consolidated into one right exactly exactly jeez so there like, you go so that's that's our take on paddle are you uh, mm. you you're a fan you, you like I was I was playing quite a bit maybe like 4 years ago or so I had mm. like a group that I would meet up with throughout the summer once a week we would go and then you yeah. know get a drink afterwards yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever yeah. Uh, but also there you know like like with tennis you need to have your group you need to have it become a routine and do it do it yeah. consistently it's not something that you say oh I'm just going to go to the to the paddle club today and see who's there no no right? it, 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 it does require quite a lot of coordination yeah, even just exactly. to play yeah that's true yeah. no we're huge what about uh, another one that you may have a, a strong negative opinion on what, uh-huh. what about esports well from uh, if, if I remove myself from the equation I mean I think the the growth is uh you, you, you can't deny it, mm-hmm. right? It's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're filling out arenas to watch people sit down at screens and play. Uh, mm-hmm. What's our game there? Counter-Strike, yeah, Counter-Strike. right? Yeah, you see, it's I remember. Huge, yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, which, is, which is absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, insane from, from my perspective because, you know, I was playing video games but on the side of, of, of playing the, the physical sports mm. outside, you know, for yeah. fun. Uh, but mainly they were then the video games, which was like playing FIFA or Madden, like mm. the version of the sports I was playing outside just on there, right? I was never really into, as you've seen me play, Counter-Strike yeah. uh, into those first-person shooters or whatever. Um, what I'm very curious about with that trend, uh, I get why they're popular from a gameplay perspective because mm. they always have been. Mm. But who are the people that are going into those arenas and watching people playing computer games? But these are the same people, or they have the same feelings that the people going into a football arena have. It seems that way. Literally, 100%. They not only have an attachment to the game and and the love of the game, right, which which a football fan has, but they're also attached to the people, the team, like the the personalities on the team that they support. Right. So they're going wearing their team colors and they're here to see, you know, I've watched a bit of League of Legends, so you have like some Danish or Swedish guys who are some of the best in the world at Mm -hmm. that. uh, Long winters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you can uh, you can understand where it comes from. And also, to be fair, the Danish, uh, especially the Copenhagen commune, invests a lot in esports facilities 
for Isn't youngsters. That right? Yeah. So you can, if you're like a 12, 13, 14 year old, you can go to your local sports club and there's a room where they have fully, like really top, top of the line computers with mouse, keyboard, everything mm. you need to, to go practice. I don't you know? know how I feel about that. I, I thought this From might... From a public health perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this might get, this might be my, where, sorry, I thought this might be where it goes. And I, I'm kind of with you on that, that uh, if we have uh, kids who predominantly get their sport exposure through esports. I think you have to raise the question then of when are they going to actually exercise? Like exactly. when, are, when are they going to physically move their body? Because I'm sorry, yes, it requires a lot of focus and, and yeah. hand coordination, but they're not going to burn any calories or not to the same extent as they would right. on the football field. I just, um, I hope, I, I think there's a really good balance to be struck there because there are right. many kids who will get out on the football field and hate every minute of it. Good and, point. And, just, and be bullied yeah, for be not bullied, being good, right? Miserable, yeah. be, be like, what's wrong? Why am I not good at this? Blah, blah. Yeah. And maybe the thing that unlocks sport for them is esports, you know, where they go, wow, I actually am good at this. I can, I can like win. I can be confident. Yeah. I can you know, grow, whatever. At the same time, we all need to exercise. We all need to get out and freaking run around and no more, no more so than kids, right? So, right, exactly. So it, I do and that's see, when you build those habits also. Yeah, exactly. So it's all about the balance, I think. Like, uh, we can't replace one with the other. We can't rule out esports and say, no, those are stupid. They're here to stay, I think. And we just need to kind of ensure that we're, we're making time for all uh, types of sports. And this is Lost in Public Policy, hosted by Neil Fitzpatrick from Lost the Sports in, Commission. Uh, lost in parenting, maybe. Uh, as a non-parent, probably don't listen to me about any parenting. But that's, I, I, I do like your point because my instinct, my go-to is uh, the more kids are outside doing sports, being physical, you know, the healthier habits they will build in the long term. On the other hand, your point is, what about the kids that aren't good or don't like the sports? Mm. How do we give them something that is fulfilling for them, which could be the esports, yeah. while at the same time, you know, yeah, yeah. telling them about the importance of still moving around exactly. in their own way, whatever that may be. That's exactly. very fair. And I think it's worth remembering that every geography, every country has like a default sport, right? That you're mm -hmm. expected to play. In Ireland, right. growing up, it was Gaelic football or hurling uh, as mm -hmm. a, from a young age, then football and then rugby actually in, in my uh, childhood. Right. And those are just four sports. And if you're not, if you happen to be good at those sports, then you will grow up having a very happy childhood, like loving uh, every time you go to yeah. play the most popular sport in your country. But uh, remember, these are just four random sports, basically, that happen to be popular in one particular part of the world. Correct. And had I grown up in China or Thailand or any other place, then I would have been on the badminton court every day and wondering, right. you know, why am I not good at this instead? You know, so it's just, I think it's worth remembering uh, the kids should probably be encouraged and, and, and even challenged to go beyond the default sport of their particular place. Uh, and through esports, through other things like that, they can discover something they're great at. It's a good point. It'll it'll be uh, it'll be exciting to see maybe over these next five to ten years that that trend progressing with the esports. I, th I think it will it will just keep going, right? Because the mm -hmm. idea is those games get better and better and better, and the streaming and the technology gets better and better. Like mm -hmm. the watching experience gets better okay. and better as well. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think it's 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 a massive area of uh, of explosive growth to, yeah. to watch as we go forward. And maybe someday we'll find ourselves sitting uh, sitting around a bar watching an esports. Uh, never, never say never. You buy the drinks, though, on that one. <laughs> drinks around me. Uh, one more we have to talk about on current sport crisis. Okay. And it's it's the obvious one. It's the one uh, the one I have fallen victim to over yes. the last few years. And you've been a lifelong fan, in fairness. So I'm, Case a, study. I'm a late bloomer. We are talking, of course, about Formula One. Formula One. I mean, it's been crazy to see the ride. I think, 
I think it was four years ago that they released that first Drive to Survive series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just a stroke of genius from a business and commercial perspective for, for the sport, right? Liberty Media uh, took over F1 at yeah. that time. Yeah. Killed it, right? I mean, uh, getting fans now from the US. You came into it, you know, just browsing on Netflix, I think, well, and following it, the sport. Almost, yeah. So what happened interestingly with me, and maybe other people had this as well, is that they tried Drive to Survive watched one episode and we're like, don't like this. Formula One, isn't that the thing for like, you know, posh kind of scene people who want to... There was ever an inaccessible sport practice. 100%, yeah. yeah. And I even watched a bit of the first episode and was like, nope, not for me. Then I was talking to a, a good friend much later on. And he was like, yeah, do you know what? I'm obsessed with Formula One now. I'm like, Formula One? What are you? You're not, that's not you. Like, that's not what you're, you know. And he's like, no, 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 really, really just give it a try. And I was like, okay, geez, I'll try one all more right. time then. And then just hooked. Do uh-huh. all of Drive to Survive, tried to survive over one weekend. Timed it just in time for the start of the 21 season. So I, I watched the first race. And from then I've been like absolutely hooked. And listeners, when Neil gets into something, oh God, yeah. he goes deep. It's scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, if there's a fantasy uh, sport, if there's a fantasy league for the sport in question, and then it's all in like uh, and it's super annoying because with sometimes without knowing anything about the sport eh? he'll kick your ass at the fantasy version well, just about i mean fantasy premier league is going well for me i don't watch football but i do know which players uh, are, are good at kicking that ball and uh yeah let's save that one for save that for later later in the season when i beat you but uh, yeah i mean you're looking good now but um the the thing on on this uh, drive to survive like it'll be a case study in business schools for the next 30 years like yeah how what an incredibly insightful and well chosen decision to to make a series that's well produced dramatic behind the scenes exclusive it's integrated so deeply it's not mm. like filmed at the edges it's like you're in the room with them when they're making these big calls right of course will buxton has a huge role to play in dramatizing it in amping it up making yeah. it accessible and actually i have to say the more i've gotten into formula one the less i enjoy that series but that's exactly the point it's like it's not for me anymore it's for those people who are like what is formula bait and hook yeah you do start to get fatigue of it after a few seasons yeah. i think especially when you see the cracks of like the editing is not actually right. accurate. Exactly. Like there, there was, um, for example, some crash where uh, Romain Grosjean actually in season two, he, he crashed in, I think it was uh, Bahrain. He had a big... Well, he was on fire yeah, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. But in the series, he crashed and he was out of the car with... Sorry, in real life, he crashed and he was out of the car in 34 seconds, I think it was. In the series, he crashes and, oh, silence descends on a racetrack. Mm. You know, all this. And they, yeah. they draw it out for like two minutes of, is he okay? Is he dead? Blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And I think knowing then, at the time it's very compelling, but knowing then in hindsight how they're going to edit things, I now I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Everything's going to be made. Like, you know, there was this crash uh, with uh, Guan Yu Zhou in Silverstone in the last season Mm -hmm. where it was a very serious crash, but he was fine. I'm sure that when we see the new season, it's going to be amped up of like, I was sure he was dead. He was definitely, you know, like they're going to make it as dramatic as possible. It goes from a sport to to entertainment device. I mean, then again, I mean, wouldn't we all do that? Like if we were tasked with the the mission of making a sport as exciting as possible, I guess that's what you do, right? Well, Uh, and and I think it, it says something about about the less naturally compelling slash exciting the sport is, Mm. the more of that dramatization it needs. Mm. And you see the sports that are now adopting the Drive to Survive blueprint was released in these past couple of weeks on Netflix was one tennis, Mm -hmm. who's struggling to find a new generation after, you know, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, and two, golf. Was there a golf uh, one? That just came out, I think, this week. Full Swing, it's called. Hey. I haven't watched it. Is it Netflix? Or? Netflix, yeah. Okay. So the same blueprint. Now, my postulation there, 
for for the F1 craze, for example, is that so much of uh, the hype and the initial interest in it mm. uh, is coming due to uh, the drama and the intrigue, which is created by the series. A lot of it being off the track about the personalities, mm-hmm. and not so much driven by the actual day-to-day competition on the track, yeah, right? Yeah. So the interesting thing to see these next couple of years is all those new fans uh, that came in because of the series, mm. will they stay on or will they then jump to where the drama and intrigue is next, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can that sport hold them? And I think one reason why it might not be able to hold them mm. is because it is not a sport that uh, you watch and then you say, I'm going to go out and do it now for a little bit, <laughs> yeah, right? Good it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's either incredibly dangerous because you, you take a car and just go around and drive really fast mm-hmm. with a normal car yeah. and try to do it at home. And don't do right? that, by the way, please. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or it's incredibly inaccessible to, yeah. to get into. I mean, in terms of motor racing, even kart racing as a kid. So mm. I'm curious to actually see maybe, maybe we're at peak Formula One right now. I think so. I actually, I think this could have been included in our, you know, big bets for twenty for 23, actually. I that shout. It could have been, and yeah, it's only with the gift of hindsight that we have it, but it could have been the downturn for Formula One this year. And who knows what will take its place. We have some, we, we'll get onto that in a second. But uh, I'm with you, and all only wanted to add on this point, like the actual way you win a Formula One race or do well in a Formula One race is very boring, like on, on paper. It's either that you nail the tire strategy or you nail like the particular setup that weekend right. of the car, uh, which is all aerodynamic details, like, or you develop a car over the winter, which then becomes the fastest car for the season right. and you've basically won it already, right? And most of us watching aren't engineers. No, exactly. Right? No, not even close. And they do make that accessible. They have some great people. Sam Collins, one of the great uh, presenters currently in Formula One who make it accessible. Uh, Craig Scarborough, another. But... Uh, these guys do their best to make a very complex topic accessible but unfortunately all the people who have come into the sport now loving that Max and Lewis had a big huge uh, battle for Mm -hmm. a year and then it was Max and Leclerc this year a bit more like that will quickly die down as you say that'll run out of steam and then you're left with okay do you really care that much about whether they go for a soft medium soft or a medium or hard tire strategy you know I think that's where a lot of people might lose uh, interest. Then again, stranger things have happened. Maybe it will stick around. Maybe it will stay as uh, growing with this at this crazy pace. Right. I mean, we have uh, Logan Sargent joining uh, an American driver for the first time in, in many years. So could be a coup. You you could uh, you could see more Americans getting into it. The one problem though is like mixed martial arts, like basketball. As a as a European fan here, you have to stay up till all hours to watch it. Right. The same is true of, of American fans of Formula One that they have to get up at like six a.m. to watch an average race, like a European right. race, for example. I think that might be the thing that uh, that holds it back ultimately. And in those individual sports, there's also another dynamic, mm. uh, whether it's with with tennis or with MMA, of is uh, does your country have someone at the top of the game? Yeah. Uh, when they do, huge following in that country. The moment they don't, mm. everyone is, is kind of turned off with these types of sports. Agree. Yeah. Agree. No, we're huge. We're uh, those were. I think we've touched well on a lot of the current crazes. Mm-hmm. We only had a couple of others that we were thinking to check in on. One was these obstacle course races, tough mudder, things like that. Yeah. Never tried one myself. Have you done one of those? I haven't done that, but. Mm-hmm. 
I think in, there's something to be said there about endurance sports uh, yeah. in general picking up. Like the, the percentage of populations also that, that are running a marathon with respect mm -hmm. to 10 years ago, I know, has yeah. increased, for example. And the percentage of people announcing that they're going to run a marathon has, has skyrocketed too. <laughs> and then yeah. tracking their training for the whole first month until they get injured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm speaking, no, beef, uh, no. no, yeah, that definitely did not happen to me multiple oh, times. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, it, it, did, it, did, it did. No, respect, man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, should we jump on then? Yes. For uh, the last part of this whirlwind tour of sports and fad sports. What do you got? To the ones that we think are due a bit of a, a resurgence. Sure. Because we've talked about ones that had their day in the sun and disappeared. Yeah. We've talked about ones that are having their day in the sun right now. But what about sports that aren't super popular today on a global scale? So we wanted to touch on a little bit of what could those be? What could be the next big Formula One? What could be the next big thing? Yeah. Do you want to go first? or should, uh... You go first. Okay. So the one that... Uh, Maybe I'm I'm uh, underselling it here, but because it is very popular. But the sport I wanted to check in on is badminton. Actually, another racket sport. Now, badminton, actually, especially for the uninitiated fan like myself, has unfortunately this kind of quaint, kind of nerdy vibe. Like mm -hmm. you know, you know the way sometimes a sport just has this kind of vibe to it. Like polo has this posh vibe, or cricket. You know. For some reason, badminton is kind of funny. I think it doesn't help that the the main thing is called a shuttlecock. You know, like these these, <laughs> these like are things that go against the sport. In like, America, they call it a birdie, though. That's that's yeah. that is a bit better, but More still perfect. a little bit quaint, or yeah, a little bit kind of innocent, or, or whatever. And badminton, uh, I was shocked to discover when I was researching this, is the second most played sport in the world. Now, it just goes to show how little we know because That's of course... That's mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it, it goes to show how little we know because it's Asia driving that, of course. And not just China, but like uh, Indonesia, Thailand. Vietnam. All this, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's massive. And uh, on, on this, actually, just if listeners want uh, an interesting uh, sidebar on this, Google uh, a Chinese sport called Jianzi. Jianzi. Yeah, Jianzi or Tianzi, uh, which is played with not rackets, but feet. So you're kicking essentially a shuttlecock over the net, over and back, using just your feet. It's that is like, not easy to kick. No, but it, they manage it somehow. They make it look easy. Gianzi? Yeah. You, okay. can, you can use your chest. It's like same rules as football. You can touch it with any part of your body except your hands or arms. And you just need to return the shuttlecock over it, like exact same as, as badminton, except you're using your feet predominantly to, to return yeah. it. And they're nailing it. Like it's a, it's a big sport. It's not as big as badminton, of course. But... What I would, um, the, the reason that I would wish to postulate about the, the coming popularity of badminton is if you go and watch now high level badminton, I watched just this morning, I watched a mixed doubles match of, of world level, like world championship badminton. It's pretty much like as close as you can get to the Matrix, the film with Neo dodging bullets, right? Okay. Because even, I think even more so than ping pong or table tennis. These people are reacting with full force at the shortest possible, like people are reacting at, at speeds that you just, I guess it's only replicated on a Formula One track in the sense that like right. we're talking about fractions of fractions of a second, tenths or, or hundreds of a second that people are reacting with before I've even seen where the thing has gone. It's, it's been returned to the other side, basically. Right. Now, I'm sure there's a, a much deeper level of strategy and and, and kind of uh, detail to it. I, I don't know any of that, but I did enjoy watching it today. And I think were badminton to somehow rise in popularity, I don't know how, I don't know what the catalyst would be, maybe a documentary series or a movie or something, I could see it definitely taking off because the barrier to entry is still pretty low. Like, you can set up a badminton set in your garden pretty quickly. Uh, the, the materials are all pretty cheap. And yeah. then... Uh, 
it's pretty exciting to watch at the high level. And I remember it was one of the sports that uh, we would get really, really excited about when it was the badminton unit in gym class oh, yeah. every year. Mm. And we would have a blast with it. But mm. it was never a sport for which we had teams in the school. Mm. So uh, I, I definitely has the, the potential and super fun to watch. Uh, I watch it, though, once every four years at the Olympics, right? And and that's about it. So it would be yeah. cool to, to have that come up. Fun fact about badminton, actually. Because mm. um, I have a few friends that, that play and, and that told me this. It is actually the sport with the highest incidence of uh, Achilles injuries, yes. pops, tears. I've actually, brutal. I had a colleague slip with that exact thing a few years ago and it's brutal and it's not, it, it's just it doesn't, this sport doesn't even require you to dash around much more than any other but for some reason it's because I guess you're on a non-slip surface and yeah. you're always jumping back. A and bit forth. like basketball yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Your, your Achilles can pop and then you're out for months, you're in a boot, like you're, you're on Horrible the, yeah, it's it's not a nice yeah. one, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, you wouldn't think it as well because it's quite a peaceful sport in a sense. Nobody's getting uh, smacked in the face with a, a shuttlecock and going to hospital. But like that is nonetheless a pretty dangerous sport. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. So, I mean, I just had one. I'll be quick with it because I know we still have a couple things on the agenda. But I was mm. thinking along the lines of handball, mm. which is very big in certain uh, mainly northern European countries plus uh, plus France. And in terms of the pace and the dynamics of the game, it is actually something that I think uh, basketball fans could gravitate towards and basketball athletes could gravitate towards to play. Mm -hmm. So if it would be something I think that would expand to the US in terms of interest, they could become some of the best in the world if their top athletes choose. Yeah. Uh, and I think the 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 pace of it um, could could actually uh, attract a, a lot of fans uh, to uh, to watching it handball. I, it, it's quite like you put it on. I, I never really played handball outside of gym classes, but yeah, when I put it on, I'm like, okay, this is quite cool, and uh, yeah. it's it's not a quote unquote slow sport or no. where I need to learn a lot. You can just be inducted in it quite quickly exactly. it's quite obvious what the rules are i love it and the cool thing like the centerpiece of handball as a sport is the cool jump shots you know like exactly and that's that's really like you're gonna get some amazing footage you're gonna get cool replays and stuff yeah. like it, it lends itself it, it's spectacular in that sense even yeah. though it's low-key in the sense like the way a slam dunk is the big thing in basketball right. you have these massive jump shots which are which are cool in handball exactly the only thing with handball is like i've never really played it seriously or anything but it's quite ruthless. It's quite like uh, unforgiving and quite physical and like yeah. kind of it, it, it is more towards the end of the spectrum of like rugby and NFL kind of levels, which excludes it, I think, from being a super popular sport for parents sending their kids off to it. Maybe, oh, you think so? Okay. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And like, I know it's not full contact or anything, but yeah. you do have a lot of like people are swinging their arms as hard as they physically can yeah. and smacking the ball as like, you know, it is it's aggressive it's like uh, an aggressive game of dodgeball at some point you know like mm. you i don't know I, I get the vibe basically that it's not okay. all not all fun and games on the right on the handball court. yeah it could be a bit like what happens uh, in water polo under the water right yeah, which yeah, it yeah. turns which out is see. like the dirtiest sport in the world yeah and yeah. back to water polo as our uh, starting point yeah. <laughs> there you go full if, circle if water polo can have a trust then uh, so can badminton so can any sport and uh, <laughs> we hope to see them so let's uh, let's take a quick break and then i'll come back with uh, something a little bit different but something similar to uh, a quiz that you subjected me to a few episodes uh -oh. ago i'm back with a back yeah so all let's right do it.
So welcome back, listeners. And to finish up, we're going to do something a little bit different, uh, something we've tried before, the uh, the famous quiz format. Uh-oh. Yeah. And uh, just like I was mortified in the last quiz, the Austria quiz, go back and listen, listeners, if you uh, if you didn't hear the embarrassing performance I had. I maintain I passed that episode quiz. Episode six. Episode yeah. six, the Christoph Waltz uh, episode, yeah. I maintain that I passed that quiz. 40% is a passing grade in Ireland. Let's, let's leave that anyway. Uh, yeah, let's not side. get back into that. Uh, we're going to do a 12-question quiz quiz here and the quiz is uh, something I've uh, made up and we're going to patent as part of our trademark for the show we're going to do a quiz called the Google Trends quiz Ooh, yeah. okay. how does that work so Google has uh, one of its many websites is called Google Trends mm-hmm. and on Google Trends you can put in any search term and uh, it'll tell you how popular it is right now uh, compared to historically it's a really interesting thing in general actually for people to look into but what we're going to do here is keep it on the sports topic I'm going to throw some sports at you quite rapid fire. Okay. And we're going to compare its popularity today on Google versus its same popularity a year ago. Mm-hmm. So February this or yeah, basically early March, let's say this year versus early March a year ago. Okay. That's the, yeah. the time frame we're talking, basically. So all you have to say is higher or lower. Okay. You're going to say it's more popular or less popular. Okay. Let's see how you do. Do you want me to say higher or lower or more or less? Let's say higher. Keep it, cons- keep okay. it consistent. Here we go. So... We're going to start with the first sport. It's one we talked about today. Roller skating. Less. Correct. Only marginally less. It's down from 77 to 71. Okay. So, uh, by the way, listeners, 100 means it's at its most popular. So I could have uh, seen people picking it up during the pandemic for a little bit. Exactly. I think it did have a pandemic push, but that's that predates even this data because that's like 2020, 2021, right? So we're talking one. one for one so far. Next sport, paddle. Lower. Also correct. Oh. Well done. Because that's an interesting one because you might think it's been growing or it's, you know, it's still on the rise. But no, it is already slowing, actually. Paddle has peaked. Perhaps to be overtaken by pickleball. Let's see. Yeah. So two. Two, uh, two for two. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. CrossFit. Oh, no. Definitely lower. That's correct as well. Yeah. It had a huge peak in, fe- in February last year, actually. So it was almost at a, its highest point, and then it, it peaked over the summer in '22. Maybe due to everyone threw their backs out. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> had to uh, go to the physio, and then uh, that was the end of CrossFit. So CrossFit is on a, a little bit of a bump, but nowhere near its high of, of last year. Okay. You're three for three, sir. I'm going to uh, jump into the next one. Ah, oh, here's an interesting one: football, football, no, soccer, soccer, football. Yeah. Ooh. Well, we had a World Cup this year. We did. I'm going to go higher. That is correct as well. Ooh, you're four for four. Look at me. Now, Passing grade in Ireland. The, in the, you've already passed, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, four out of 12. Yeah, you're, you're 30%, Getting 33%. But uh, the interesting thing with football is it, it has a very low baseline of about 25, 26, 27. And then when the World Cup comes, it hits 100. Right. But the baseline has established itself now higher than it was before. So it okay. after the World Cup has come back to a higher baseline than before. So it's at 30 now instead of 25. Wow, look so at that. still going. Here's an interesting one. Scuba diving. Ooh, scuba diving. I could see it have gone down during the pandemic because people weren't able to travel as much and then making a comeback now, potentially because of that, higher. It ah. is lower. It oh. is unfortunately lower. You, uh, It only has gone down a little bit, so it peaks every summer. Uh, but in every, But every February, it falls to about 75. But this, this year, it has 
fallen more than than before so it's down at 71 now so uh it's weird that it would have a seasonal effect when you consider uh hemispheres you would think yeah but i think it's predominantly western europeans and americans who uh who do it northern hemisphere people who are into it i guess okay but uh interesting we'll we'll go right along maybe a a freebie here maybe not so i'm what now four for five you're four for five okay parkour Ooh, parkour, parkour, parkour. Super dangerous, by the way. I was watching it on YouTube before coming here. Do not do parkour. Um, lower. Yeah, much lower. So this this, oh, okay. this has been on a heavy slide the past year. Mm. So talk about a fad. Yeah, I mean, but even when you think a year ago, like parkour wasn't exactly huge, right? But uh, yeah, you're now five for six. Parkour is uh, is on the slide. Good. Here's another one that um, may not blow your mind: pickleball. Pickleball's definitely higher. Yeah, fastest growing sport in America. <laughs> it has, but uh, it's worth including in the in the quiz just for how quickly it's grown. Like a year ago, it was fifty percent popular as it is now, and right now it's at ninety two. It's like almost as popular as it's ever been. Wow! It peaked uh, in the summer last summer, and now I'm sure oh, yeah. it'll reach new highs this year. But right. pickleball, when I looked at the chart, I was like, whoa! This yeah. is a this is the only sport that has this like exponential uh, graph. Well, our our hotel in Jamaica actually it had uh, it had like eight tennis courts or something, and mm. then it also had five pickleball courts. Jeez. So those probably weren't there a few years ago. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. Wow, and more to come. Here's another one, maybe a bit tricky. Boxing. Boxing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I. There's not as many of the big name heavyweight champions. I would imagine. Well, it's definitely gone down compared to the '90s or '80s. Mm, mm. I'm going to say it keeps going lower, lower. That is correct, actually. So an interesting one, because I thought you might be thrown off the scent by these like celebrity YouTuber boxings that you've seen. Mm. Happen. So these these bouts have been by far the biggest draw of boxing in the past year, <laughs> where people are flocking to watch these KSI, Logan Paul, all these guys. Okay. Uh, and I and those sure enough, those are responsible for boxing's peak over the last twelve months. Those right, events. Okay. Yeah. But uh, a year ago, boxing was up in the eighties range, and now it's down in eighty one. So uh, there you go. Goodbye, boxing. Sorry, boxing. You're on six for seven, I believe. If I'm if I'm not too wrong. Yeah. yeah. On a roll. Here's another one. Esports. I mean, you because it's versus a year ago. I'm gonna mm. stay with higher though. I'm gonna play it safe here. Unlucky, it is I... lower actually, only marginally. But esports, if you look at the chart, it has some severe peaks. So it has whenever there's a, a global world championships, it, it absolutely spikes. Right. But I have to say, if I was a, a betting man, I would have to look at the chart and say there's a downward trend here. Like it's the new baseline versus last February is significantly lower. It's okay. gone from the mid 60s to the mid 50s. So uh, yeah, watch out esports. I think it may have uh, had its time in the sun. Oh wow, yeah. that'll be interesting to see what they do with all those esports centers uh, here Absolutely. in Copenhagen. Absolutely. I only have two more for you, sir. Okay. So uh, how many do I have? So in fact, there's only 11 questions because ah, okay. I doubled up on one, all unfortunately. Right. So you have six, four, eight right now. Okay. So let's go. So for you have three we, more questions. I have one, two more. So we're going for nine if I, or however <laughs> many. Ten. Yeah, let's say, right, let's well. say ten. Let's do two more and, and then we'll count it up okay. in post uh, <laughs> because I didn't number these. So second last one, paddle boarding. Ooh, versus March of last year. This is very seasonal. Mm, yeah, um, for sure. I'm going to say lower. It is lower. I don't know what's going on with paddleboarding, but it was never like a world beater. It, it peaks every summer, but yeah. last February it was in the mid twenties. It's now at thirteen. Yeah, thirteen percent popularity. Yeah, it, it is like cool to do like once a year, but it's not like mm. it gets quite boring. Once it, you're out yeah. there for thirty minutes, it's like 
Ka- I mean, kayaking is more fun, for True. example. And to do paddleboarding correctly, you need to inflate the thing to the absolute maximum, like, nth degree, and that can take 30 minutes you're, yeah. if you're on a hand pump, you know? Yeah. And I, I did it once, and I was like, great, and I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was, that was enough. Yeah. And then one last one. So uh, you were correct on that one. So that was, I think you're on seven, potentially seven, maybe eight. Maybe eight. Yeah. And then last one, it's not, a, we don't want a tight ship here on the quiz, uh, as you can, as you can tell. Last one for you, surfing. Ooh, surfing USA. Hmm. Has there been any big surfing films or books? Because it's often very, it's a culturally driven thing, yeah. so the surfing, right? Yeah, it sure is. Um, well, in my mind, I've read a lot more about surfing in the last year. Uh, if I take that, I'm going to say higher. And you would be correct, actually. It's on, a, it's on a slow growth. So, like, last year it was in the high 50s, and now it's at 67. Good so, for surfing. Good for surfing. Really, good for I them. think we're sleeping on surfing a bit. Oh. Like, I've, I've never regretted a surf session, you know? I, like, ap- I appreciate uh, the, the craft. Yeah. I, I'm horrible at it, but I appreciate the craft. So, am I right in saying that you actually got... I think either two, two wrong, two only two, so nine out of eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair play, sir. You you're actually ass. you're actually well up to speed. You can call yourself a Gen Z, uh, TikToker generation. You're you're on board with all the latest trends. I'm shocked. Google Trends, baby. I really thought I had some tricky ones there that might have sent you astray, but you've kept it uh, kept it on the straight and narrow and called it like you see it. So yeah. well done. Well, there you go. It's also 50-50 for each question. So That is true. There were no the multiple odds. choices. Yeah. That is true. But uh, a fun game for you to well try done. with your uh, friends you. and family as well, listeners. So please do enjoy our patented Google Trends game. And we can do that not just for sports. We can type in tigers and see what the Google Trends yeah, exactly. are on that, for example. Exactly. You can also do an A-B test. So you can right. you can look for correlations like, does the interest in Formula 1 correlate with the interest in uh, fancy five-star yeah. hotels, for example? Things and, like that, where you can start to postulate as to the interconnectedness of certain things and vocabulary as well actually that's quite a fun one mm. where you'll type in like i did i did this recently where you type in like moolah for yeah, example yeah. and you see you're like oh wow this was actually huge because they take the data from how much it appears in books yeah so they yeah, go yeah. way back in history Indeed. and it was like huge in the early 1800s mm. had a massive dip and now it's coming back through back music and stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah there you go love it google trends get on it but that actually has brought us to the end of yet another episode here we wow. are Episode ten. How does Episode it feel? Episode ten. It's uh, it's fulfilling. I think we're we've been having a blast uh, doing it, uh, and we're we're learning a lot as we go, and and trying to uh, to continue improving and uh, engaging more and more with our audience, building that out. So, uh, just just having a blast and, and no regrets, as they would say. No regrets. Never keep moving forward. Never look back. Oh wow! But there you go. So thank you everybody for joining us once again. As ever, you'll reach us on uh, Twitter at Inpostulation, on email at lostpostulation at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for joining. Talk soon. Bye-bye.